they are doing a good job. <laughs> we didn't we didn't have service. We went to a we went to Brother Wayne's sister's funeral Wednesday, um, visitation Wednesday, and when we skipped that, my forty three year old brain don't remember like their like their thirteen and fourteen year old brains remember all those notes. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to First John chapter four. We're going to continue walking through this book of First John, and we've seen up until now, <coughs> excuse me, we've seen up until now, he's been telling us all about tests and evidence. He's been telling us all about how we can know that we are of the faith, we, how we can know and have the assurance that we are of the faith. He says, I write these things that you may know. I say it pretty much every time. I'm going to introduce uh, each one as we, we talk about each uh, each part of the book. If we keep continuing in the book, I'm going exp- to keep explaining it to you the same way because you need to keep it in context. You need to keep what's going on in your mind. He's given this book so that you can know that you have eternal life. He, there was people that were coming in. They were saying, you know, we're the true Christians. We're the higher stuff. We're the bigger thing. And uh, he was writing to let them know that they indeed in Christ had everything that they needed Everything that they needed for life and godliness, everything they needed to be to be a to be a Christian. So before we look at chapter four, before we start there, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to to bless our time together. Father, we come before you today. God, we just love you. We thank you for your your blessings and your mercies. We thank you that you have uh, you have given us everything, Lord, in, in Christ. You've given us everything that we are, everything that we need. Uh, we, we don't need to be searching for anything else other than to deepen our relationship with you, to deepen our fellowship with you, to uh, plumb the depths of the gospel that you've given us. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. You've given us, uh, you've given us everything that we need, everything that we need. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would be with us today as we, as we read this word, as we look at your, at your holy scripture, Father, that you would just use, your, use uh, this word and as your spirit comes forth through the, the preaching of it, through the reading of it, and just apply it to our hearts, God, as we come and, and we, just, uh, we just long to be who you would have us to be. We long to walk in what you have given us, and we, we long to walk in who you are. Lord, we love you, and God, we thank you above all things, Lord, because of what you've done for us on the cross and for, for what you continually do as we walk through this life. Lord, give us a sense of your awe and wonder today as we come to your house today. Uh, this, at this moment, Lord, at 1030 when we come back into worship and even tonight, already looking forward to a, a service tonight, we ask that you would just uh, spark in our hearts that awe and wonder uh, of what you, what you are, who you are, what you've done for us. And God, who we are in you, we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So he's given us tests. If you can remember the three tests, he's going to go through them over and over and over and over and over again. So if you already know them, you probably know where we're going to go pretty much for the rest of the book. The three tests of whether you are a true believer in Christ. And remember, it's not because you're doing so good. These are not tests of whether you are perfect or not in these areas, because I can promise you you're not. These these tests are to examine what God is doing in your heart. You uh, Number one, it says you believe the truth about Christ. That is test number one. If you do not believe Christ, believe in Christ, believe on Christ, believe who Christ says he is, who God says he is, then you have the wrong Jesus, and the wrong Jesus can't save you. 
Number two, we've seen it over and over again. You, we have the test of obedience. If you are living your life after his commands, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you never sin. It means you have patterned your life to be faithful to Christ. That is an evidence of God's spirit working in you. And number three, we've seen that you love the brethren. You invest your life. You give your life, so to speak, in the brethren, in the fellowship of the local believers. Those are the three tests. Those are the three things John has said over and over and over again. He's going to do it again today. Today, we're going to talk about that first one, about truth, about doctrine, about who Jesus is. And he's going to say, if you got the wrong Jesus, you don't have salvation because the only Jesus that can save you is the true Jesus. I could say I could point you to this microphone and it'd be kind of stupid. But just let me let me get absurd for illustration here. I could say this microphone here is my God. And I serve this microphone. I could put anything up here. I could put a Dr. Pepper can up here and say, this is my God, whatever. It's really stupid, but let's just say it, use it for effect. I can say this microphone is my God. I can be, I can pray to it. I can say this microphone has told me that I'm supposed to be good in life and I'm supposed to love people. And I can give you all the things that, that people's conscience have been telling them for, for since humankind was, uh, was created. And I can say this microphone has told me all kinds of things. And it, it has told me that if I do this and I do that and I do this, then one day when I walk off into eternity, the microphone is going to save me. Oh, and by the way, I named this microphone Jesus. And I could walk around telling you, Jesus has saved me. Jesus has done this and Jesus has done that. But in my mind, if I'm thinking my Jesus is this microphone, is that Jesus going to help me at all when I stand before God? When I stand before the judgment bar of God? No, that he's going to say, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's pretty dumb for you to trust in a microphone. Even if you called it Jesus, it doesn't matter. It's not the true Jesus. And that's what we're going to see today. John is going to tell us in the first six verses, we're only going to read six verses. He's going to make sure that we know that if, unless you, unless you trust in Christ, the true Christ, not the Christ. Now I know none of y'all are worshiping microphones. That's kind of a, kind of a dumb illustration. I know none of y'all are worshiping Dr. Pepper cans or anything like that. But what we have a tendency to do is make up a Jesus in our own mind. We make up a Jesus and you know what? He was a man in Galilee and we got that and it's all good. And I know that he died on the cross, but, but my Jesus, he really doesn't mind if I, if I go out and do this. My Jesus doesn't mind if I, if I live my life a certain way. My Jesus, he, he kind of agrees with me. If there's a certain sin I like, my Jesus is okay with that sin. If there's a certain thing that I like to do and I want to justify myself, my Jesus is okay with that thing. That what we do is we make up idols. You don't call Carve them out of wood. You don't use, I mean, some people do, but you don't carve them out of gold or make them out of silver or put them on your mantle or anything like that. But you make that idol in your mind and you worship that, that idol in your mind. And so what we're going to see today is John's going to tell us who the true Jesus is. And he's going to say, unless you have this Jesus, unless you have this Christ, this is how you know that you have the spirit of God. The last thing that he told us, the last thing that he told us was uh, in chapter three, he said, uh, and this is the commandment. We should believe on the name of the son of, uh, of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. We talked about keeping the commandments last week. And it says, and hereby we know that he abideth in us. This is how we know it's by the spirit which he hath given us. We talked about that a little last week. But the very next line in chapter four, verse one, he says, beloved. 
believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The last thing he told us was like, this is how you know that you that he abides in you. We've talked about that word abide over and over again, that he abides. He lives in you, dwells in you. You abide in him. We, we understand. We know that he abides in us because of the spirit that he has given us. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you. If you've been born again, you've been made a new creature. The spirit dwells in you. The spirit pulls and tugs you. The Bible says in Romans that the one who's not led by the spirit is not a child of God. He's not one of Christ's sheep. And so we know that if you have been born again, if I have been born again, the spirit is leading me. The spirit is dwelling in me. We have the spirit, but the spirit is not the only voice out there. There's other voices that are whispering to you all day long, every day. There's, there's other things in your ear. I told you this once before, uh, Satan, he's a, he's a pretty cunning devil and he disguises himself as an angel of light and he's not going to come rattle pots in your kitchen. He's not going to come bite you when you ain't looking and nipping at your heels like you might've seen in the movies. He's going to come and whisper in your ear and he's going to lie to you. He's going to accuse you. He's going to deceive you. He's going to try to do these things. He's, he's not the only voice. So the question is, how do we distinguish between the spirit as it speaks to us, as it leads us, as it guides us, and all those other voices out there, whether they be Satan himself or the world or our own flesh, our own hearts, our own sinful nature. How do we how do we distinguish those things? He's going to tell us today. And first thing he does is commands us to test. You are commanded to test the spirits. When he's talking about the spirits here, he's talking about the spirits that lie behind all the false teaching, all the false doctrine, all the lies, all the things that are not true, all the things that would deceive you. He said, he said, test the spirits in chapter four, verse one. He commands us. We are to test the spirits, whether they be of God. And the reason that we're to test those spirits you see it right there with you? I hope you got your Bible in your, in your hand. It says, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now think about this for a minute. John wrote this way back in the first century. And even in his time, even in his time, there were many false prophets running around in the world. Many false prophets. Had, you can look through the book of Acts and you can start to see the false prophets that were that were cropping up, teaching wrong things, teaching different things. Even Paul told the uh, the elders at Ephesus, he says, you know, I, I'm kind of scared to leave you because I know when I leave you, there's going to be wolves that are going to rise up among you and they're going to try to lead everybody astray. This was going on way back then. How much worse is it today? How much worse is it today that there are false prophets and false teachers and, and, and people teaching false things to people trying to just uh, trying to lead you astray? Now, think about this for a minute. You, you know, there are some people that are just deceptive and they're, they're on, you know, TV or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're in churches. They're not just on TV, but they want to lead you astray. But there's other people that generally think that they're doing a good job. They're generally thinking, you know what, it's all good. I know I, I can come up with some examples just in my own life in the last couple of weeks uh, of people that are that I've met that that I've known for not too long, but a couple of years anyway, that they preach basically when they stand up behind their pulpit in in ministry and in, in churches all over West Tennessee, when they stand up in the pulpit, they preach basically how to live better. 
They preach, I want, to, I want you to know how to live better. I want to teach you the principles that you need to love better, to, you know, and, and really there's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's founded on the gospel. But if you never bring up the gospel and I just teach you the rules, I teach you how to live a good life and how to live better and how to love people and how to have better relationships and all those things. Guess what? I'm, I'm deceiving you. I'm deceiving you into thinking that you can straighten up and fly right and God will be pleased with you. I'm deceiving you into thinking that it's all good and really you just need a little, you just need a little to tinker on your engine a little bit. You don't need to overhaul. You don't need to replace the whole heart that you have and have it put in. You don't even need to live in step with the gospel. Really all you need to do is kind of apply these principles to your life. There are many people I mean, good, well-meaning people that are leading people astray because they're not focused on the gospel. They're not focused on who Christ is. And I'm thankful that we don't go to a church that, 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 uh, that is one of those. But we do understand that they're out there. They're out there. It says many spirits, many false prophets with spirits behind them wanting to lead people astray have gone out into the world. So the first thing you need to do, I need to make sure you understand this. You are commanded, commanded to test the spirits. You are commanded. There are words coming out of my mouth right now. You're commanded to test them to see if they're true. You're commanded to take the word of God that you have in your hand and to study it to show yourself approved. You're commanded to test the spirits, whether they be of God or not, because many false prophets, many spirits have pressed the false prophets out in there. Many spirits are wandering around trying to deceive you, trying to get you. Basically, really, I'm not talking about making you believe that, you know, it's okay to murder people or anything like that. Most won't do that. Most will give you just enough truth so it sounds right and then pull you off of the gospel at the end. Most will give you just enough truth. So you think, you know what? I've heard this before and it's right. And right before you get to understand that the gospel is the source of your power, that Christ himself is the centerpiece of all of our lives, all of our preaching, all of our study and everything that the word of God says, they will divert from that. And so many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I thought about this and I, I might not, I might be wrong about this. So we, we may need to talk about it, but I think, I think there are more, I think there are more false prophets in the world today than there are true ones. I think there are more people that you probably need. I'm talking about all the voices, all the preachers, the TV preachers, the, uh, I think there are more that are, are missing the mark, so to speak, focusing on the gospel than, than are not. So the reality of what he's saying here is, look, you aren't, you, it's your responsibility to test the spirits. It's your responsibility. When, when something comes into my heart, when something comes into my mind, my life, when, when a thought comes, an idea comes or whatever, I am to test that by the word of God. I'm to test that to see if it's from God. I can't tell you how many people have said, well, God wants me to divorce my, my husband or my wife. Understand, you, 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 you're listening to another spirit. That's not the spirit of God. I can't tell you how many people have said, God doesn't care whether I fellowship with the brethren or not. I'm sorry, you're listening to another spirit. 
You listening to another? Well, that's not God's spirit. That's not what God's word says. I can't tell you how many people have said, you know what? God thinks it's okay for me to, you know, whatever. You just pick your thing. Understand that the spirit of God is never going to contradict what God's word has said because it's the spirit himself who inspired this word. It's the spirit himself who inspired the the apostles and the prophets to to write this word. And we have the very word of God. So it says you test everything in scripture. um, I think it's Acts 16, 17, right in there somewhere. There were this group of people called the Bereans. And Paul was going from city to city, you know, starting churches, planting churches. And uh, he got to this place called Berea. And he said it says that the Bereans were more noble than everybody else. And the reason they were more noble, it says, because they took what Paul was saying and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, look, this is the apostle Paul we're talking about here. He said in Galatians chapter one, he said, even if I come preaching another gospel, if an angel, if while you're sitting here with me, an angel appears on the stage here and glowing and all that. And this angel preaches another gospel. He says, you let them be accursed. It doesn't make any difference. Paul said, even if we or an angel from heaven comes preaching another gospel, you let, let them be accursed. You are to test the spirits because they're not all of God. They're not all of God. Many false prophets have gone in the world. So the, the question is, how do we test them? How do we test them? And that's what he's going to tell us as we, as we walk through these verses. The first thing he says in, in verse 2, he says, he says, hereby... Know ye the spirit of God. He said, this is how you know. This is going to be how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard uh, that it should come and even now already is in the world. So look, the first, the first, the first way that we test is, do you have the right Jesus? Do you have what scripture says? Are you trusting in who the Bible says Jesus is? Now look what it says back to verse two. It says, this is how we know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is God. That is a very complex statement. Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Uh, Jesus is his name. He was given the name Jesus because he'll save his people from his sins. That's what the angel told Joseph and Mary to name their baby. The, the God man. Name him Jesus. Christ is a title. The Messiah. The anointed one. So what this is saying is that Jesus is the Christ that has come in the flesh. From God, he's saying basically what it's saying is that he is God and man. He is the divine Messiah, the one who who reigned and was with the father in eternity before there was a creation. Colossians one tells us that he was intimately involved in creating. There was in John chapter one, there was nothing made that he didn't make. There was nothing made. He is God in flesh. Jesus, this person, Jesus of Nazareth was God and he was man. He has come in the flesh. Now that's important. It may seem like something that we already understand. You know, I got that. It's no big deal. I already understand that. But the reality of what this is, think about what John's saying here. 
He's saying the difference between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Antichrist is who you say Jesus is. Just like he told Peter, who do you say that I am? That doctrine is important. Truth is important. It's very important for you to understand that John is separating people right here. He's saying this is the Spirit of God. These who confess this about Jesus. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. The ones who, could, who don't confess this about Jesus. Understand that it affects the gospel. Now you may be saying, why is that so important? Why is that such a big deal? I mean, I know you got to have the right Jesus in order to be saved because only the real Jesus can save you. But understand that what you say about Jesus affects the gospel. It affects salvation itself. Think about this for a minute. Jesus is 100% God. He's 100% man. He's not half God, half man. He's not man and dwelt by God. There are lots of denominations that'll teach that. He's not, he's not any of those things. He is actually the son of God. The, the God, the son who was existent before eternity, took on the form of man, became a man became in human flesh and came into his creation to save his people. Why is that so important? Because number one, if he's not fully God, if he's not 100% God, then he's not worthy to be your sacrifice. Because only a perfect, only somebody perfect, absolutely who has kept the covenant of God can be your sacrifice. Only somebody worthy can take the book from the one who sits on the throne. Only somebody absolutely perfect without spot or blemish, never sinned, never did anything against the law of God, which is God's nature. Only God himself is worthy to take the punishment for sin, to die on a cross, to give his life as a sacrifice for you. So if he's not God, he's not worthy. If he's not God, then he's a sinner just like you and me. And we know that's not true. But look what it says here. It may surprise you that today is that's the big thing is that, you know, well, Jesus wasn't God. He was just a man. He was a good teacher. He was whatever. But really, the big heresy in the first century was that Jesus wasn't a real man. That may surprise you. It was that he just looked like a man. He just he just took the appearance of a man, just like God took the appearance of, you know, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud in the Old Testament. He said Jesus really didn't die as a man on the cross. That was the big heresy in the first century. And John is saying, no, 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 no. The spirit of God, it's going to say it's going to confess that Jesus Christ came in flesh from God. Why is it so important that he's truly man? Because if he's not truly man, he can't stand in for you. He can't stand in for me. God's covenant was made with man. It wasn't made with angels. It wasn't made with animals. It wasn't made with any other creature. It was made with man. So only a man can fulfill the stipulations and only a man can come and redeem mankind. The angels that fell and lost their first estate, they don't have an opportunity for redemption. Nobody came as an angel to die for them. Nobody came as an angel to offer them redemption. Jesus came as a man. The son of God came, took on human flesh and died on a cross in your place, in my place. He could not stand in, in my place unless he was truly man. And so what John is saying here, he says, look, the one, the one who confesses the spirit of God is always Going to confess who Jesus is. He is both God and he is man. 
if you have if you have somebody whispering in your ear saying that, well, Jesus was one more than the other. Maybe he was all God, but he really wasn't a man. Maybe he was just a good teacher and a man, but he wasn't God. God just really blessed him and God maybe indwelled him, whatever. You know, that's false. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, all, all kinds of people spend all their time looking for this end time Antichrist that's going to walk out of the sunset somewhere and take over the world and all this. And the whole time we're staring off into space looking for this one. He's, he's playing right at our feet, whispering right in our ear, trying to tell us false doctrine, false things that aren't true. And these things matter. It matters who you say Jesus is. It matters in your life who you say. If Jesus is, is, is not God and he is not man, then your salvation is null and void. But understand that he is God and he is man. He's a perfect sacrifice that God sent for your sin. And he's a perfect man that came to stand in for you. And so he is both God and man. And that's why John says, this is how we know. Hereby we know. The spirit of God. Verse two says, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's how you know. That's the first way you understand who Jesus is. You can't make up your own thing and call it Jesus and expect your Jesus to save you. There's only one true Jesus, and he is the one that brings salvation and glory in his wake. It says, hereby you know the Spirit of God. In verse 3, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is what? It's not of God. Every spirit that... Every spirit confesses not Jesus Christ coming in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And look what he says. Even now is already in the world. While we're all focused on the end times and blah, blah, blah. He's playing right at my feet already, whispering in my ear. It's not really so. It's not going to hurt. It's not that big a deal the tests that we have seen in in first john so far are they're very important you have to understand you got to know the truth you have to have the truth god has given us the truth you have to understand that the spirit that lives in you will cause you to keep his commandments it'll cause you to keep his commandments and you have to understand that the spirit that's inside of you will cause you to love the brethren it will cause you to do so. Um, it's, not a, it's not a test of, hey, you guys go do better. It's what Christ is doing in you. This is, this is the difference. This is the difference. The doctrine matters. Only the true Jesus saved. But look, you can't just get to this by learning. So far, I've talked to you about doctrine. So far, I've talked to you about truth. So far, I've talked to you about what God has said, who he is. But, you know, it, you're going to study to show yourself approved, but you can't get there just by studying. You can't get to this Christ just by learning, just by reading books, just by learning the meaning of words, just by just by understanding. You must be born again. And that's what it says in this next verse. Look what it says. It says you are of God little children, 
and have overcome them. Who is them? It's all those spirits, all those false prophets, all those out there that want to deceive you. You have, if you are of God, little children, you have overcome them. You have conquered them. You are victorious over them already. Even though the battle's raging right now, you have conquered. You are overcome. Why? Because greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. You and I, we can't just, it's not just a mental thing. It's not just understanding who this Jesus is. You might have said, okay, Jesus is both God and man. He died on the cross for me. Put a stamp on it. I got it. I'm in. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. You must be born again. It says you are of God, little children, and you have overcome him because greater is you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The one that lives in you, the spirit of God that lives in you will cause you, will cause you, will bring you the knowledge of Christ. Think about what I'm saying here. You and I know we've, we've heard it a bunch of times and you and I know that it's true. The Spirit of God, if you have truly been born again, the Spirit of God will not let you wander off into sin so that your soul would be eternally lost. Right? Y'all with me? Okay. It will not. Now, you may dabble here and there, but as a good father, the Spirit will always come and chastise his own. He'll always come and and discipline his own. That lamb tries to wander off, he'll leave the 99 and he'll go get that, that one and he'll bring him back. You, the spirit of God ensures inside you that you will not, you will not eternally wander off into sin and death. Neither will you eternally wander off into error. Neither will you eternally be seen. If you have been born again by the spirit of God, you have something inside of you that connects with connects with this word of God. It connects with the preaching of his word. It connects with the, the believers that surround you. It connects with Johnny and I have a, a connection. We're both in union with Christ and the deep calls to the deep. And we understand, we understand the things of God. Even if I have a hard time explaining it to you, it says You don't have to worry about all these spirits that are whispering in your ear and trying to tell you this or that. You don't have to worry about those things because if you've been born of God, you have overcome them. You have been made victorious, not because you're so smart, not because you've learned all about the false religions and the false teachings, not because you've studied and done all those things, but because the one that lives inside of you is greater than all of those other voices that are going to be whispering in your ears and trying to tell you this or that or or these other things. You have been born again. You, we, God knows his own. He knows his own. You've been born again. You're already, you're already victorious. And so we don't worry biting our fingernails, uh, you know, walking on eggshells thinking, well, I better make sure that I'm, I'm in right. I, I got to make sure that I'm not uh, in error. I got to make sure that I, I understand perfectly. Guess what? You're not ever going to understand perfectly. <laughs> Think of it this way. When you're first saved, when a person's saved, <clears throat> they don't know nothing. Don't know nothing about nothing to save. And then two days later, good luck trying to explain the Trinity to somebody. You just don't. I mean, you don't, 
You don't, you have to grow into those things. So we're not saying you got to have a perfect theology in order to be saved. If that's the case, none of us are saved. I promise. Cause you're going to be growing in it the rest of your life. But what we are saying is when God reveals his truth, the man who says, I reject that is giving evidence that he's not of God. When God says, when God says, son, this right here is sin to you. And you say, you know what? I reject that and I refute that. That's evidence that the spirit of God does not live inside of you. When, when God says, son, daughter, this is what I command you. When that light shines and he speaks to you through his word and it says, bang, and that conviction comes and it, 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 it settles right upon your heart and it reveals the truth to you that's applied directly to you. And you say, you know what? Forget that. If you're one of God's children, you better hold on because he will not. He will not let you listen to that other voice and wander completely away from him. He will not. Says you've overcome those other voices. You've overcome those other spirit because greater is he that lives in you than the one that lives in the world. You have a spirit inside of you that will lead and guide you into some of the truth. That's right. All the truth. All the truth. And so what it says here, first thing you need to know, you better have the right Christ. You better have the one that God has revealed, that Christ has revealed. Jesus Christ come in the flesh. The second thing, you better be born again. I don't care how much you know about who Jesus is and what he did. If you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom. It says you better have this spirit inside of you or you will not overcome. You've already overcome if the spirit lives in you. It says you must be born again. And the third thing, the last thing, you, if you've been born again and that spirit lives inside of you, you receive God's word. You love God's word. You feast on God's word. Verse, uh, verse five and six, last two verses. They are of the world. These voices, these spirits, these false prophets, these ones that try to deceive you, lead you away. They're of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world. They speak the world's language. And guess what the world does? The world eats it up, man. The world hears them. He heareth them. The world heareth them. It says they're of the world. Therefore, they speak of the world and the world hears them. They're, they give them exactly what they want and they eat it up. If I love my sin, I want to hear a preacher who's going to say my sin's not that bad. If I love my, if I love my particular activities, if I love my particular way of life, if I love my particular whatever, I want a preacher who is going to come and tell me that that's okay and don't worry about it. But if I hate my sin, as all believers do, don't tell me you can love your sin and be a believer I'd love to argue that point with you. If I hate my sin, you know what I want? I want, I want the preacher to come. I want the word of God to come. And I want it to pull the covers back and show me my sin so God can remove it from me. So God can discipline me. So God can grow me and sanctify me. I want it gone. I want it gone. And so it says they are of the world. They don't think like that. They want, the Bible says they're going to call for preachers that'll give them itching ears. 
that'll, that'll tickle their ears. That'll give them exactly what they want. They've got itching ears and they're going to draw them into themselves that are going to give them exactly what they want, what they want. And there's no shortage of it out there. You can find them everywhere. They are of the world and they speak of the world and the world is going to hear them always. But the last verse we'll look at, verse six says, but we are of God. And it says, he that knoweth God heareth us. Now, this is what I think. Because of the way it's the way it reads, the we and the us there are the apostles. We are of God. John's saying we are of God. And it says he that knoweth God, that's us. All of us who know God, all of us who've been saved, all of us who've trusted in Christ. It says he that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God doesn't listen to us, doesn't hear us. He says, this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. But the apostles are long dead. The ones who walked with Jesus are long dead. How can we hear them? They've given us their word. The Holy Spirit has inspired those men that walked with Christ. Peter, Paul, James. John, Luke was with Paul, Mark was with Peter, all those men, the Holy Spirit himself inspired the writing of his scripture and he's given us their testimony. When, when you read this letter, it's as if John the apostle is standing before you speaking. It's as if even bigger than that, God himself is standing before you speaking. It's infallible. It's inerrant. There is no mistakes. There's no contradictions. There's no, no misspellings. There's no, there's nothing that we, we, uh, we, we cannot trust in this word of God. And it says the one that knows God hears us. It will hear the word of God. It will receive the word of God. It will have, he will have a love for the word of God. It's like the bread of life. It's called over and over again. Don't tell me that you can grow spiritually without eating. Don't tell me that you can grow physically without eating. When you go to the doctor, the one of the first things that he'll ask you is how's your appetite? And if you don't have any appetite whatsoever, guess what? Something's bad wrong. You're sick. We need to do some tests. We need to figure something out. John is saying the same thing here. You have no appetite for God's word. You have no, no love for God's word. You have no hunger and thirst for God's word that's going to transform you, transform you. You need to do some tests on yourself because there's something bad wrong. There's something bad wrong. John says, look, the ones that are of the world, they listen to the world. They love to hear what the world has to say. They, they'll receive what the world has to say with gladness and they love to eat it up and they'll run to it. They'll flock to it. He said, the one that knows God, he's going to hear us. He's going to come to God's word. He's going to flock to it. He's going to love it. He's going to, he's going to move towards it. He's going to do anything he can to get it. He's hungry for it. So what we've seen is another test, another evidence and another assurance that you have been born again, that you know God. He says, number one, you have the right Christ. 
you know that he is both God and man. He was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good man. He was not just a a great guy who's showing us the way. No, he is the way and the truth and the life. He is God in the flesh. He is God and he is man. It's the one that we worship. He is God. He is worthy to be worshiped. He is worthy for all creation to worship him. We understand we have the right Jesus. The second thing is, You must be born again. You can't study your way into it. You can't learn your way into it. You must have an encounter with this Jesus. You must have a relationship with this Jesus. You must have the Holy Spirit come into your life, change your heart and make you a new creature. And that is the only way that you will overcome those who are in the world. You've already overcome them because greater is he that's in you. You must be born again. And the third evidence, the third test is that you love God's word. You love the words that the apostles gave. You receive their word. He says, we are of God and everybody that knows God hears us. That's what he said. You love God's word. He has given. Remember at the very beginning of 1 John, John said, look, we saw him, we, we heard him, and we handled him. He said, that's what I'm going to be telling you about. That's the testimony that we give. We were with him. We know exactly what he said. You can't listen to people that come 100 years later and say that, well, this is what it truly means, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to listen to the eyewitnesses. I'm going to listen to the ones who were with him. And even greater than that, I'm going to listen to the one who God infallibly inspired to write it down in Scripture. He says, the ones who are of God, they love God's word. So the question as we end up today is, remember, it's not, I'm not, I'm not telling you, hey guys, you need to love God's word more. We all need to love God's word more. I'm asking you, do you love God's word? And if you don't, if you don't have a hunger and a desire for God's word, if you don't have a hunger and a, and, and a desire to know this Christ, a hunger and a desire to hear this spirit inside of you that is greater than all those in the world, if you don't have a hunger to hear that, the hunger to receive that, a love for God's word, John's given you this test to say that you may not be born again. You may not be a Christian because these are the evidences. These are the birthmarks. You can tell you can tell who is of God by these birthmarks over and over again. Read just go it's 5 chapters. Read the book when you get home. You can't read it and not see it. He's given us the evidences by which we may know that we have eternal life. I'm writing these things so that you will know. The evidence that he gives today in this test is do you have the right Jesus? Do you have a hunger for God's word? And do you have this spirit inside of you that speaks to you and is greater than all the other voices out there? One that drives you, one that you hunger for, that you long to satisfy, that you love. That's the evidence that you've been born again. Today, he says, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. Today, he says, you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Today, he says, those who confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
He has given you opportunity today. I don't care how much you know. You probably, I know, I know men that can quote more Bible verses than all y'all put together, me included, that have memorized books of the Bible that are not born again by their own testimony, are not born again. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are. Have you been born again? Do you have the love that Christ says he would put in his children? Do you have the birthmarks of being born again that John presents here? If you, if you can look at your life and say, you know what, I'm lacking in some evidence. I'm not asking you how good you're doing. I'm asking you, is it there? Is it there? You're going to grow in it, but is it there? I have zero hunger for God's word. Zero. Something's bad wrong. Something's bad wrong. You don't go without eating. If you have no love for his word, if you have no spirit that calls to you deep, calling to the deep, that, that leads you and guides you, something's bad wrong. Today, he said, if you'd repent of your sin and trust in him, that he would save you. He would cause you to be born again. He would cause you to keep his commandments. It's no longer your responsibility. You understand that? It's no longer, it's him. He says, I'm going to complete the work that I start. It's his responsibility to grow you. It's his responsibility to discipline you. It's his responsibility to conform you to the image of his son. That's what he promised to do. So I'm not saying call upon him so you can do better. I'm saying turn that responsibility over him because you can't work your way to it. You can't do good enough for it. He's got to do it in you. Father, we love you, God. We come before you today and we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy.